0: Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary, Fran, and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant.
1: Hey, everyone. Before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about.
0: Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I'm Mary Fran Bontempo with my buddy Kristen Smedley, and we have such an amazing guest for you today. I am so excited to be sharing. Jill Asher with you, she is a co-founder of the Magical Bridge Foundation, Magical Bridge Playgrounds, Magical Bridge Foundation. It is one of the most just amazing organizations, and Kristen and I are so super excited about it. I've known Jill for many, many years, Known, and I have had to put it in air quotes, because this is one of those, you know, Mm -hmm. she's been my friend, I used to write for her, but I said to Kristen, this is the first time we've ever come face to face, such as it is. Jill's a West Coaster, we're East Coasters, but I'm so happy that you're here today. So Jill, welcome, welcome, welcome.
0: Thank you. Excited to be here and talk about yeah, we're
1: it. we excited to have you. We were already
0: talking so much, we were late getting on live, and we're like, yeah. oh, that's right, maybe we should share this with the rest of the room. <laughs> we had so much good
1: stuff, and I'm like, wait, 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 we got to stop talking. we got to share this with everybody else. So... I was saying to Jill earlier that we, you know, we usually do the show in terms of like a reset, a rise and a reveal your brilliance and the resets, the sucker punch and the train wreck and the rise is how you move forward and the revealing your brilliance to the world. So that means different things to different people. So I just kind of want to turn it over to you and see how you were led into this magical bridge foundation because you've had an interesting background. So I'm going to let you start and share that with, with everybody.
2: So, um, so first of all, thank you for having me. Um, so for those who don't know first about Magical Bridge or hasn't had the you know, joy and experience of playing at a Magical Bridge playground, um, Magical Bridge playgrounds are in very simple terms, <laughs> a playground that meets the needs of absolutely everybody at every stage of life. So we are a playground that welcomes the very, very young, the very, very old, um, everything in between. Um, all <laughs> Thank styles. you. A playground
1: for me. I, I was waiting
0: for you. I to didn't, say a, I didn't <laughs> say a word. I didn't say a word.
2: And it's also welcomes all sizes and all abilities and all disabilities. And sometimes we are, we are uh, dubbed as the special needs playground we are not a special needs playground it just happens to be that if you have a special need you too could play whether you have a visible or invisible disability and we think that that's pretty magical Mm -hmm. um but to take a step back um (laughs) so um so I have a background um, with professional background within PR, media relations, in Silicon Valley, and in high tech. That's where I spent my career for over 20 years. And um, while I was uh, working, I um, started to help my friend, um, my, one of my best friends, um, and another mom um, with children similar ages as my two older daughters. And my friend Olenka Villareal um, had two children, one that was neurotypical, um, Emma is now uh, 20 years old. She is going into her junior year at Fordham University. And she had a second daughter who, um, she thought she was giving birth to a healthy baby girl and it happens to be that she has pretty significant disabilities. Um, and today, Ava is 17 years old, but cognitively less than one year old and um, undiagnosed. Wow! Yeah, and so when Ava and um, Emma were little girls um, and wanting to go to the playground, it was really, really hard for Olenka to take her two daughters to any one of our 34 public parks here in Palo Alto. So part of Silicon Valley, part of innovation, but the playground simply did not meet the needs of both of her daughters. Um, And for her daughter with special needs, The doctors and the therapists were saying, Olenka, it's really, really important for you to swing your daughter and sway and slide, Um, especially for children with disabilities at young age. Those movements that it's called vestibular movement, that rocking back and forth, teaches you about um, balance and body awareness and your surroundings. And it just helps you progress with your typical development milestones. And so Olenka, could not take her daughter to any one playground in Palo Alto and was spending around $150 an hour out of pocket to drive her daughter to the one and only physical and occupational therapy place to swing her daughter. Um, and it was like going oh on gosh. a diet like one hour a week. Like it's great while you do that, but what about the rest of the time? And so she went to the city of Palo Alto and said, well, you know, where do you, where do the, Disabled community members play. And they said to her, Well, all of our playgrounds are ADA compliant.
0: Dun, dun,
2: dun. Dun, 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 dun. That
0: makes my hair stand up, and everyone right. from my town watching knows why. <laughs> ADA compliant, it's supposed to be these gold
2: standards that would really, really, you know, like. We've now, for a Park and Rec Department, they've checked the box for ADA compliance. But the reality is, is that ADA compliant playgrounds are not very magical, and they're not a lot of fun. And, you know, listen, I can give a dissertation on this, but it's really that transfer platform on a post and platform structure that makes the playground ADA compliant. So someone can get off of their wheelchair and then sit on the ramp. And hooray, you've now made it. And that's it. But when you think about most playgrounds that are sort of interconnected, you like can climb up it, walk up the stairs, slide down the slide, come back and do it again. Well, like I call that a rat maze. Like Mm -hmm. how much fun is that for you over a long period of time? and you're you're not even thinking about those people with cognitive disabilities those confined structures could not be more of a nightmare for someone with autism or sensory challenges or like are you and i going to want to go on those structures and play i don't i don't think so yeah. so so we so olenka went to the city and the city said well all of our playgrounds are ada compliant and she said well my daughters and my my family and families like mine are having a really hard time playing on the playgrounds. And so the city of Palo Alto said, all right, we'll give you a lot of land um, in the back of Mitchell Park in Palo Alto, and um, you go build your special needs playground. That was like their marching orders. You go research, find, fund, and we'll go, like we'll make a playground. And Alenka said, you know, I don't want a special needs playground. Like I don't go to a st- special needs Nordstrom's or special needs Starbucks. I simply go there. Mm-hmm. And playgrounds should be the same way. And so she brought, brought a group of us together and that was really the start of coming up with the idea of Magical Bridge. Her daughter Emma thought of the name Magical Bridge as a way to bridge the gap between those with and without disabilities, bridge the socioeconomic divide. Um, and that started us on our journey to build something that would meet the needs of everyone. And in reality, we thought we could go online and just copy something. We were like, (laughs) find something that we love. But anytime you Googled ADA compliant playgrounds, you saw mostly plastic, big long ramps, um, still confined environments and we said that's not what we want to do so we started working with inclusion experts out of stanford and in different communities um, the autism community the down syndrome community the aging community those with alzheimer's and parkinson's to try to truly understand what could be something so magical that everybody everybody at every stage of life would come out and that took us on the journey to build magical bridge palo alto Which um, now, uh, before COVID-19, was welcoming around 25,000 visitors a month with a ton of worldwide attention. Oh
1: my gosh, 25,000 a month—that's
2: unbelievable. I know. Well, now there's 11 more projects underway. Um, Some of them, you know, we're working as a foundation um, to to do this. So,
1: you know, I have to tell you when you were talking about um, the rat maze, I have I have a whole bunch of grandkids, but they're little so i tend to follow them when they're climbing on those things and all and i have to tell you even i don't like them it's it's just they're 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 tight they're uncomfortable they they do they give off a vibe that's very enclosing and and if i don't like them and i'm neurofunctionally you know normal whatever the heck that means I can't even imagine how intimidating something like that would be for a, a kid with disabilities who even can get on it. Like, And access doesn't mean that you can play on it. Access means, like you said, you can sit on it. Well, that, I,
2: that doesn't help. Well, now actually, now post-COVID-19, do you really think any parent is going to want to put their child or themselves on no. those closed environments, their plastic? No right Most of them are plastic um, and they are going to be unsafe, unhealthy for um, when playgrounds do reopen. The other thing is that really it's the playground industry responded to this starting in the 1990s when the Americans with Disabilities Act came with regulations for um, building playgrounds and, 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 and this is, was their response. They're cheap to make. They're easy for park and rec departments to check the box. And say, hey, we've done some. We're ADA compliant, right? We've we've given this to the community. Um, But I mean, I can I can go on and on about why those playgrounds sit idle before COVID, and they are going to sit idle after COVID. um, Now, do these things? Do these playgrounds? And I would assume they do
1: require. I'm assuming it requires space, significant space, just because the idea is to keep it open and to allow people to move from place to place. When I saw your videos, the links that you sent, you have zones, I think that's what you call them, right? Zones, so tell us a little bit about how that works. And I also wanna make one point here. Kristen and I talk a lot about building teams and building your tribes and putting your hands up when you don't know something. And it sounds to me like when these playgrounds were first built, They may have asked one or two questions from people of the disabilities community, but they didn't get down to the nitty gritty details about what really serves those communities. So, you know, tell us about your zones and then tell us about the different things that are within those zones that serve the different communities.
2: Yeah, so first of all, a Magical Bridge Regional Destination Playground, and as of today, there's only one in the ground um, in Palo Alto, is an acre of land. Um, It is divided into zones because what we learned from the disability community is that predictability matters. Mm -hmm. So if I know that I do not like swinging, but I love to spin or slide, or I want to be on the stage, I know that I can go to those areas and they would be safe and fun for me. So we grouped equipment um, and we created the zones. So there's a spinning zone, there's a swinging zone, there's a kindness corner that we created and I can go into that. This mm-hmm. stage, a two-story tree house, um, an innovation zone. So we have a laser harp that plays very gentle sounding music. You break, you, you move your hand across the uh, lasers and they play very gentle sounding music. Um, but what we did with each of these zones is we did a lot of focus groups with different types of users and visitors that we knew were going to come to the playground. Um, and we continue to innovate within each playground that we are building. So, did we get Palo Alto 100% right? No. You, you know, there's always. Room. Does anybody ever? <laughs> Never get anything. Else. You're always tweaking. We're tweaking, um, but we're keeping the zone concept and we do need a lot of land because we need um, to be able to spread out. And especially now with COVID-19 and the way playgrounds are gonna open, this actually is is in response, you know, We couldn't have- You're ahead of your time. You boy, talk about being relevant. Yeah. And we really learned a lot from the medically fragile community. Mm -hmm. Like things that, like if you're a child or an adult with, uh, you know, going through cancer treatment and you have tubes in your body, you cannot go to a playground that has tan bark or sand. So we don't put tan bark or sand in our playgrounds for that reason. Um, Mm -hmm. We learned that color matters if you're visually impaired. So for depth perception, so we put a lot of blues on the ground so it can help define walkways and and pathways and define the different zones. for Magical Bridge Redwood City, which we're opening, well, we, we were hoping to open this you know, summer, but we'll have to see when California allows us to open, the state allows us to open. Um, we realized that there weren't enough retreat spaces for people with sensory challenges or autism. So we designed and created these beautiful wooden hideaway huts with Barbara Butler, who did our two-story tree house. Um, and those are gonna go into the different zones so that you can retreat, and and regulate and then come out when you're ready. But it's a beautiful place and a beautiful piece of art within this, inside the playground. I think I want one of those in my house. Can (laughs) I get
1: a, can I get a hideaway hut?
0: It follows the map of, of being brilliantly resilient. You have to go reset. And and a lot of times kids that are overstimulated and have different um, special needs, they're resetting every hour or every interaction. And, and I'm like, you're bringing tears to my eyes about how you're really, you really thought this through and addressed the entire, the entire spectrum and a, and a child's entire experience while well, the they're beauty,
2: there. The beauty is it's not just for children. It's not just for children. It's for you and me. It's for seniors. Because we have different play needs at every different stage of life. The reality is, is that you and I, never outgrew the need to play. It's that the playground industry didn't keep up with our needs in mind. And we still get a huge amount of benefit of swinging and spinning and sliding and being with our family members in a joyful and delightful place. So it's not just for the little kids, it's for you and me as well. And if you're regressing with Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, Guess what you like to do? You like to swing. It brings, it triggers long-term memories and it just triggers joy and happiness. And so we all need this at every stage of life. Um, and no. children too. Uh,
1: yeah, I have to tell you, uh, one of the great joys for me of having grandchildren is being able to play and not have to make an excuse for it. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, I got grandkids now so I can play. But I, it's so funny because my mother will watch me and I'll be playing with the kids and she'll be going, I think you're having more fun than they are. <laughs> I, I am.
2: I, it's wonderful
1: to be able to play.
2: And then it's not just that. I mean, it's being really we call it mindful design, a very thoughtful design. So like we built a stage. And we built it somewhat small so the little ones felt like safe on the stage, but now like in and you know after COVID and before COVID, um we had concerts at the playground every Friday night over the summer thousands of people would come out for free family-friendly concerts. Mm. That brings a whole community together and also sends a clear mm. message that everyone in our community matters. Everyone really does need a place to play. And and so we just, we continue to send that message um, that everyone deserves kindness and respect and dignity and compassion. Um, and that's what we... We, we strive for at Magical Bridge. And we believe, we hope that more playgrounds will get built um, either with us or like
0: Magical Bridge. Well, I have to, I have to also point out two things. One, um, having two blind kids when I was on the playgrounds, which <laughs> I tried to keep myself as small as I possibly could stay to fit through some of the stuff. I'm so happy that you're making them expansive that I can fit on. But having to be on all the equipment with my boys because it was so dangerous um in a typical playground for them i can attest to what you're saying about the connection that you make um doing that kind of thing for me Personally, as an adult, being able to play on the playground was amazing for me. But connecting with my boys, I've had to be their sighted guide their whole lives. So when they were growing up, we just made this connection from doing everything together. And I think that if parents could play on the equipment with their kids, not if, when they do at Magical Bridge, it makes a whole new connection that you have with them, no matter what age they are. So that, that was the one point. And then you just mentioned the word respect. And I actually wrote that down about 10 minutes ago because it's, it's respecting all abilities, all ages, all of that. But it also generates in, in the next generation and generations after that, a respect for all abilities and types of, of people and whatnot. And I can tell you that because I have a sighted daughter who is the youngest in my family, and grew up in a family of inclusion, where everything, you know, I, would, I always say, you use the word, your bridge is in your thing, and I say she walked the bridges that I built for years in terms of accessibility. And watching her perception of everybody in this world now is uncanny, because she does not see the keen as the white cane as a, as a barrier, she sees it as a tool to get to where you're going. She doesn't see a wheelchair as a barrier. She just sees it as another mode of moving around. And it's because she's been immersed in it. So when you're putting everyone of all abilities in, a, in one space where they can all thrive, the impact of that is far even beyond play and, and the stuff that um, physically that you get out of a situation like that, it's life-changing. Yeah.
2: No, it really
0: is. And and that
2: was also the reason why we built the Kindness Corner, which has words of kindness and compassion and respect and dignity on it. Um, and we also created an education companion so that the schools, the teachers can bring their kids and their students out to the playground and Do actually lessons on the playground about how do you make friends with someone who might be different. um, And, you know, how can you be an upstander in this community. Um, I think the world needs a lot more of that today than ever. Um, So we, we say that You know we're physically a playground, but we are certainly so much more than that, and we'll continue to innovate. So, for example, for um, those with visual impairments, we actually are creating um, right now with some grant money that we received a mat. We're calling it the Magic Map. So it helps someone with their um, to be able to wayfind through the playground um, either with using uh, their phone or an iPad. um, But also, we'll have. it's gonna be made out of bronze and it's a way that you can touch, um, to touch the map before you enter the playground so it can help with wayfinding. So when I said before, did we get everything right? Well, no, we heard a lot from the, the visually impaired community that there were things that we could do to improve their experience and make it a lot more magical, if you will. And so those are the kind of things that we continue to think about as a foundation so that we can improve the play experience um, as we start opening these 11 additional playgrounds throughout the Bay Area and around the world. So, um, so we'll continue to innovate and we will we will continue to do better. Um, we know that we can always do better um, and we, we're listening. And that's the other thing. We're listening from the communities, things that we did not get totally right, Um, we are trying to innovate and make better for, for our future playgrounds.
0: It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And I know that those kinds of situations, like you having the tactile map that other kids can see, they love to feel that. All the kids love Braille, whether they're blind or not. They love all of that. You know what that also does? It changes their perception. When they watch a blind child put their hands on that map, and they think about it, they figure out where everything is, and then they go and they do everything. And then that instantaneously changes the perception. And that is what the long-term effect helps an employer later has a whole different perception of somebody that's, that's coming in for a job and um, won't think that they can't do anything. And, and, and it might sound so little to people that are listening, but I'm telling you from experience, when you when kids grow up in that situation and get to experience all this the way they go about the world is different. And that compassion and empathy that is born there takes them through their lifetime.
2: I hope we're creating a, and the next generation to be a lot kinder. Um, and so we always say kindness, you know, kindness is magical. That's sort of our tagline on lots of our marketing materials and we have stickers and, you know, t-shirts that all say kindness is magical. Um, but we, we feel like we're changing, um, The perception of of people with varying abilities within our community and every community that we touch um so you know maybe we're sprinkling a little bit of kindness uh throughout the world
1: (laughs) oh my gosh totally but uh, you know i wanted to i wanted to kind of circle back to the one thing that you had said um that i think it was did you say one in four people have some kind of a of a a diagnosable i guess disability is was that was that the
2: Yeah. So the stats are that one in four of us, 25% of us has a disability, whether it's visible or invisible. So that could be a physical disability, um, like Mm -hmm. I'm using a wheelchair, or autism, sensory challenges, ADD and ADHD, the medically fragile, and even our aging population. Um, So it is a group certainly that um, falls into, um, you know, one in four of us. And not only therefore does it affect you know, that individual, but it affects their entire family, family members. So for that community, they have had a very, very hard time playing at playgrounds. And therefore, so does their family members, because if one member of the family can't go, then they are not going all together.
1: Right, right. It's interesting to me, because quite honestly, that statistic and the way you spoke about it, really kind of changed my my perception of the word disability, because when you think about it, we are all at every moment in time in some state of ability or disability. There are things that we are all, you know, we're able to do and things that we aren't able to do. So just the broadening of that term alone mm-hmm. and, and addressing those, like maybe which would seem to quote normal people, unquote, relatively small things like the color blue, for, for a depth perception issue. If we can just expand our idea of what ability and disability means and recognize that we are all in some state of ability and disability at every moment in time, then I think it opens everybody up to be more accommodating. Okay, you know, so I can do this, I can do this now, but maybe down the road I won't be able to do this, or something will happen that I, you know, that I can't. So how can we be more accommodating to whoever might happen to be in a different state than I am? Like take the dis part away and just like make it a, make it a, a, I'm in a different state at the present moment than someone else might be.
2: I mean, I think that the reality is is that we have different abilities at different stages of our lives. Right. And um, that we need to be able to honor and respect what we can do at every stage and give the access and give the ability to be able to still participate and engage and feel like they're part of a community. Um, because what we have heard um, with Magical Bridge is that especially you know, a lot of seniors and many people with um, varying disabilities feel socially isolated and marginalized. And for many of them, you know, they haven't played on a playground for years, if ever. And so, I mean, I've met with families who are just walking on the playground and sobbing, because Mm -hmm. for the very first time, they can feel like they're part of the community, that they don't stand out as someone who's different. Um, They are just able to participate and enjoy themselves. And that's incredibly powerful. And it keeps us going because <laughs> running a nonprofit i can promise you is not an easy task and having to raise millions of dollars per project is not an easy task and so um that keeps us going because we know that we're making a difference in the lives of so many
0: you are you are i mean take it from me and and being able to go somewhere I I I can feel those those families relief because when you can actually go and and your child can let go of your hand and navigate and play right alongside everybody else is one of the biggest things that keeps the mom going you know and the family going and watching that is just it sounds so simple to so many people but it's absolutely huge and and the other thing I wanted to point out is you know, we talk about resilience and how to make kids resilient when they are experiencing kids of all abilities working things out and problem solving and and managing the playground and having a good time. It just builds. They have role models for resilience. You know, well, if he can do that and if he can manage getting up to the top of that slide and he, you know, it just it's those little things that give kids those tools to eventually be resilient. Also,
2: just no, a I, great I, thing. I agree with you and. Um... And it makes a happier community, <laughs> more joyful community as well. But um, yeah. kids can kids and adults can meet certain milestones. Like if they, you know, because they can swing, they can sway, they can slide, they can then reach those milestones that you would be paying big dollars for to go to physical and occupational therapy. Yeah, so
0: big dollars,
2: it's free, right? It's free, right? It's a public yeah. playground. Great. Yeah. Um,
1: the, can, the magical word free that goes yeah. into magical.
2: Yeah. Once, once, yeah. So once we open up the playground, it then becomes part of the park and recreation department of that city. So, um, it is that, you know, then a beloved and sacred place within that city that will be upkept really, you know, well, and, um, open from sunrise to sunset seven days a week. Um, I think the only time we've closed is to redo surfacing, um, or I think in, I think it was like one or two days last summer that was like 110 degrees here in Silicon Valley, which is unheard of, and I walked to the playground, and there was like no one there. I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> I've never
0: seen it this empty. We need to take pictures. I was going to say that, get pictures of the empty playground, yeah, yeah, get the equipment funny. and stuff. No, but but it's usually,
2: you know, very, very busy. And and as we reopen the playgrounds, we are now going to have to think about, especially, you know, here in Palo Alto and Redwood City will be opening this summer. You know, we'll have to start thinking about um, having staff, city staff to to control the crowds because only so many people can be in there to make it safe at any time. Um, We're exploring, you know, should we do a reservation system? I don't I'm not sure we'd go that path. Um, you know, hand sanitizers now within the playground, the responsibility of parents and adults to wipe down structures after they're done playing. I mean, so these are things we have to start thinking about um, in a new way. And we're going to actually be hosting some webinars on this um, about how to reopen playgrounds in a thoughtful um, and magical and safe way.
1: And that in itself is going to generate um, more even of a sense of community amongst those who are using it. You know, this is our place and we have to keep it safe and we have to you know, work together to do the right thing. So I think all the way down the road, you can frame those things in a way that that continues along with your, your mission in, in making this something that belongs to all of us.
2: Yeah. And, and I wanted, you know, you, you when you originally reached out to me and you were asking like about resilience and sort of like, like some words of wisdom, um, you know, just to just to talk about like when we were first thinking about a Magical Bridge Playground, most people said that we would never be able to do this like mm. most people told olenka there is no way that you are going to like recreate playgrounds that will meet the needs of everyone at every stage of life no way that you will be able to fundraise no way that you'll be able to fundraise on just conceptual drawings and raise the funds and i mean i'm here to tell you that olenka had to be incredibly resilient as a special needs, a, a mom of a special needs child and a neurotypical t- child, um, to be able to go out with this brilliant idea and concept and actually execute it. I don't think the city of Palo Alto ever thought that she was gonna come back with $4.2 <laughs> million and wow. say, all right, we've created these designs, we've, we've done it, now go build it, right? Um, yeah. so, don't tell a mama bear she can't do it. Don't, <laughs> so, don't, don't it. tell mama bear she can't take care yeah. of her baby. And then when we decided, cause like right after we opened Magical Bridge, like we were receiving like hundreds of calls from people around the world saying like, we want a Magical Bridge, we want a Magical yeah. Bridge. So Alenka and I looked at our, each other and we said, you know, could we leave our high tech jobs? You know, Fortunately, our, our spouses were, were supportive of us leaving our work. Um, and we said, all right, we're gonna give this one year. Let's see if we could create a foundation that could spark more magical bridge playgrounds. Um, And again, most people looked at us like we were crazy. (laughs) I think we were, but I think it (laughs) someone a little crazy. And we said, we're gonna get a ton of no's. Like most communities are gonna say no to us. We don't have the money. We don't wanna fundraise. We don't have the space. We have no idea what you're doing. You guys are crazy. Like we, and we knew that we were gonna get that, but we got the first yes. And yep. that first guest was Redwood City. And Redwood City is going to open, um, you know, it's going to be ready to open within a month. And this is an $8 million project. Wow. You helped raise $8 million
0: for a playground.
2: Again, most people would say, well, that's crazy. You could build, you know, 20, 30, 40 playgrounds with that mm-hmm. amount of money. Yeah, you can build that many playgrounds. They're going to sit idle mm-hmm. for that kind of money. You build a magical bridge playground and everyone is going to come out to play. Once we have the vaccine, <laughs> like, <we can laughs> have play again. everybody will play. Everybody can come play. Before that, we'll have to, you know, limit the numbers, but it will still be a place. And we will get a vaccine, right? We will go back to some type of normal at some point. And when that happens, we will be here to welcome, delight, you know, thousands of visitors every month and it will be a place that will be everyone will feel great about those who contributed funds those who contributed time and vision so yeah we'll we'll keep doing this again because it's the right thing and because we're we're making a difference in our community and the world
0: i love it you know i always joke that my my memoir could be should be titled deliriously optimistic and i think that that <laughs> is a key ingredient in folks like like you guys that were like yeah 4 million we got this. Just go ahead and tell us no. You got to be delirious and optimistic. You got to have a
1: little bit of crazy to be brilliantly resilient. You just, (laughs) you got
2: to have, you got to have crazy. I joke that one of our, um, one of the corporate donors um, said to me, Jill, I'm taking your call because you've been professionally persistent and we're giving, we're giving you the money because it is like you, you showed us, that our dollars will impact so many. Um, So I I straddle a fine line because believe me, like asking for money again is not an easy job. And um, there are a lot of no's and a lot of disappointments and like, I'm like pulling my hair out, like you're a billionaire, you're a billionaire. (laughs) (laughs) You will profoundly impact like hundreds of thousands if not millions of people with your small donation. Like this is a rounding number for you. but again, I understand that we are here for the long haul. as long as we can keep getting the message out and um, showcasing that this is the right thing to do and the impact that we have on the community, the dollars will flow and the philanthropists, high-tech companies, individuals are giving and we are incredibly grateful. And we're just good stewards and very transparent with the funds. I'm not making a fortune here working at Magical Bridge. I, I could make a lot more going back to high-tech PR and media relations. But um, our team is here because we're incredibly passionate about the work that we're doing, and we know that it's improving the lives of people within our communities. That's amazing. Awesome.
1: So I also wanted to talk to you really quickly about so you're a member of our brilliantly resilient community and we're so grateful for that but you post some really cool videos. Yeah. So you know there I I was looking at the the woman today who who was the ventriloquist with the puppet and like so cute. So tell us like a little bit about that outreach because that's yeah. just kind of outreach.
2: So what happened was is when COVID-19 hit um, we could no longer do performances on our stage. And we went out to some of our funders and said, could you help us um, with a small grant so that we could Um, have family friendly concerts every single day. Um, And we we had them from March 21st until the end of May. So we actually ended this now, but every single day we paid our performers um, to come on. So we were giving back not only to our community, but to the the performers. And we would do a, a free family friendly concert so they would have sometimes a few hundred people on and a few thousand folks on. And I found performers from around the country who would want to come to our Facebook page. So we do have a catalog of all of those performances, and we can share the link. Um, oh, forward.
1: yeah.
2: Um, so if ever you need, like, a break during the day, you can go back and listen to our performers. Um, the ventriloquist um, Val and, I think, Silly Goose. Silly Goose and Val was out of um, Baltimore. So I oh, my gosh. I found performers all over the country, um, and I don't know if you remember Marty Long from. Um, she's from uh, the Carolinas. She and her husband started performing with us oh my too gosh. from that oh, from the Silicon great. Valley Moms Blog community. So it was really cool. really nice to connect with folks and performers from around the country. But again, we knew that um, especially with our special need families, they were receiving no services from their schools and just they needed something that was consistent every single day. And so that's why we did this. Um, And it was a nice way for us to give back to the community. Um, But I'm really hoping at some point I can bring the performers back to our stage because, um, because people need those live, those performances they're craving it.
0: Amazing. I well, mean, how the work cool that you do doing... to pay them too, because yeah. my, my oldest blind son is a musician and all gigs are canceled. You know, that was his, that's his college money. So that, yeah. that's incredible that you that you did it that way also.
2: Yeah. And I think the performers were really, really grateful because they were like, you know, everything has stopped. And this is their livelihood. Um, so it's wonderful that we've made, we've had such good relationships with a bunch of our donors to be able to go out and ask for those funds. Um, We also created some disability webinars too, um, but the expense of hosting a webinar and it was just got really expensive for us so that we had to pull back on that.
1: Yeah, Yeah. well, I'm just, I'm so delighted and I just want to reiterate to the Brilliantly Resilient community again, how, you know, we talk about a tribe and Jill and I have been kind of on each other's periphery of our, our tribes for years, but people come in and out of your lives um, at, at really, um, really amazing times with, with beautiful things that they're creating. Uh, so, so keep expanding your tribe. Continue to reach out to people that you, that you know or that you know in some ways. See what they're up to because sometimes it's just the most beautiful, magical thing as with Magical Bridge. And Jill, I'm so happy that you joined us today. So before we go, tell everybody where they can can get involved and how they can support the Magical Bridge Foundation.
2: So um, our website is magicalbridge.org. There is a donate button on the Magical Bridge page. Um, There's the ability to make donations to the foundation, which helps our kindness ambassador program which I didn't even speak about um, and our magic map um, and our just our foundation and team um, we also have the ability to fund some of our um, projects so um, most of our projects are fully funded um, if you were looking to make a donation to a project magical bird Santa Clara is our biggest need and if you do make a donation of 300 or more your do- your name would go on the t- uh, donor wall so it's a wonderful way to leave a lasting legacy to a project of ours. Um, you can reach out to me at jill at magicalbridge.org. Um, I'll even give you my phone number, which is <laughs> 650-520-8512. You can call me, I love, I can sit and talk about Magical Bridge all day. Um, if anyone is ever in the Bay Area and wants a VIP tour of a playground, um, I'm happy to give a, a tour of Magical Bridge, Palo Alto or Redwood City. Um, our projects um, Morgan Hill will start construction this summer along with um, Sunnyvale Magical Bridge and the Curiosity Museum in the Bay Area and two schools in Palo Alto. Um, we didn't even talk about the schools. That's a whole nother. We're going to have another show with you. We're going to have yes. another
0: update show and see um, how things are and get into the rest of this because your mission is just it's just blowing me away. It's brilliant. And
2: then- and then we have projects going on in Singapore so we have a donor who's funding two or three projects in Singapore more on that soon. We have project, so and we're going to be expanding around the country and the world. So, if your community is interested in potentially bringing a magical bridge playground, um, there is a tab on our website that says "Build a Magical Bridge" and fill out that form, and we can look at you know bringing magical bridge to your school, your com- like a regional destination playground, bring it to a hospital, bring it to a museum or zoo. Um, we are going to be picking projects around the country. To do that um in 2020 and 2021 so we have the capacity to
0: take on a couple more projects
1: oh it's so exciting and we got, we got to, okay we got to find a way to get this over oh here. you think i'm gonna
0: put one in bucks county that like, we,
1: <laughs> it's gonna
2: happen bucks
1: we're already county on board
0: you look out Reach the wheels out are spinning us.
2: baby we're getting put a magical bridge over here I hope yeah. so. listen it yeah. would be my pleasure and and my it would be so honored to bring one to your community um, because we need a magical bridge on the East Coast, and we oh, right now. Oh, for sure,
0: we're your East yeah, Coast chicks. We got this. this. Is
2: it. We got this.
1: <laughs> all right, everybody. So, Jill, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please, please, please check out Magical Bridge. We're gonna have all the links up for you on the Facebook page. Um, this is just such a worthy organization to support. We love, love, love their mission. We love their brilliantly resilient attitudes. Um, and just please check that out and everybody thank you for joining us and we will see you for another episode of Brilliantly Resilient live tomorrow see ya Bye.
0: thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise and reveal your brilliance